Praise God. Hallelujah. God bless you this morning. I'm Pastor Tuck, and welcome to the Word at My Church. And if this is your first time joining us, we want you to know you're in exactly the right place. You're exactly where God wants you to be. And I want to encourage you to share this broadcast with at least three people, because as believers, we have a mandate to spread the gospel of Christ all over the world. We are a teaching ministry with a mission to help people get better by teaching them how the word works. So go ahead and get your Bible, your notebook, your pen, your highlighter, and let's get ready to dig into God's word. But before we do, let's begin with our Bible confession. So go ahead and grab your Bible in your hand and repeat after me. This is my Bible. I believe every word. I can have what it says I can have. I can do what it says I can do by hearing its word and applying it by faith. It'll change my life. So I declare right now from this day forward that my life will never, ever, ever be the same again. And neither shall the life of anyone with whom I share this word. So I declare I'm going to share this word with someone so that their life may be changed forever. In Jesus name. Amen. Let us bow our heads in prayer. Precious God, Lord, we thank you today. Father, we thank you, Lord, for the moments of preaching. Father, we thank you, Lord, for every opportunity to approach your throne of grace. And Father, Lord, I ask you, Lord, to move me aside. Take my place. Speak to your people and say what you want to say and do what you want to do. Have your way, Lord. I'm just a tool of your choosing, Father God, Lord. And I ask you, Lord, that you would just mold me, shape me. Father God, Lord, use my lips, my mouth, my mind. And Father God, Lord, for your glory. Father God, edify your body. Father God, Lord, make us and equip us. Father God, Lord, that the the world may be different, Lord, because we're here. And Father God, Lord, that you would get all of the glory, honor, and the praise. Father God, Lord, we bind every contrary spirit, every technical demon. Father God, Lord, and any plan and plot and scheme of the enemy, Lord, to stop what you desire to be done in the earth today. And we thank you and believe you, Lord, for it all in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Now, if you've been with us, then you know that this is the year that God wants to restore the church to a place of greater influence and impact. And he's chosen us to be his change agents in the earth. I told you our job as believers is to be the salt and light to change the flavor of every environment, wherever we go to influence those we come in contact with. And for the past couple of weeks, we've been talking about tapping into a higher frequency because in order for to fulfill the vision that God has given us as the church and have the kind of impact and influence that he wants us to have, we must be able to hear from God and do what he says. We must be able to distinguish his voice. Now, I know some of you are still thinking, but pastor, I have trouble hearing God's voice. Well, that's what the enemy wants you to think. But Jesus himself said, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. And the truth is you've always been able to hear God's voice. As a matter of fact, you were created that way. Open your Bibles with me to the book of Genesis chapter one. Let me prove it to you. Genesis chapter one and look at verse 26. Genesis chapter one, beginning at verse 26. And here it reads, then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness and let them have dominion. Here we see the triune God, the father, the son, and the Holy Spirit having a conversation. And he says, I want them to look like us, act like us, and rule like us. In other words, I want them to be just like us. And in verse 27, it says, so God created them. 
in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female. He created them. Then God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, and have dominion. Oh, did y'all just see that? It's right there in the text. It says, right after he created us in his image, he blessed us and said to us, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it, have dominion. Now, at that point, we were still spirit only, which means before we had ears, we heard him. Before we heard a sound, we heard his voice. See, before we listened to any cursing, we had received his blessing. Before anyone told us what we could and could not do, based on his ability that he had put in us, he told us what he expected out of us. Oh, I need somebody to get excited about that this morning. See, stop letting the enemy tell you that you can't hear God's voice because you were created to hear his voice. That was part of your, your original equipment. You that's, that's part of the factory design. You were made and already equipped to hear God's voice. You came from the factory like that. Yeah, yeah. Go over to Genesis chapter 2. Look at verse 7. See, because I know somebody think, well, Pastor, if that's the case, then what's wrong? Okay, we're going to get to that. But look at Genesis chapter 2 and beginning at verse 7. Here it says, And God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into the, his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. Now, here we see God taking that, that spirit man that he created, and he's speaking to, and he puts us in a body. And in verse 15, it says, Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to tend it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day you eat of it you shall surely die. Now here we see man united as one as they were created, receiving instruction from the Lord in physical form. So again, we know he heard his voice. He then puts him to sleep and takes one of his ribs and separates male and female and creates the woman. And in verse 25, it says, and they were both naked and were not ashamed. Stay with me now because we're going somewhere. Because here we have this man and this woman created in the image of God to look like him, act like him, and rule like him with the authority to take over the world, and they have received instructions directly from God. But in chapter 3, something very peculiar happens. The serpent shows up. Genesis chapter 3, look at verse 4. Here it says, Then the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good from evil. Now, 
Here the serpent is telling her that the reason God does not want you to eat from this tree is that he doesn't want you to see things from your own perspective. He does not want you to make your own judgment because then you'll be like God. Now, the interesting thing is that what he said was partially true because God did not want us looking at things from our own perspective because your eyes can deceive you. And that's why the Bible says we walk by faith and not by sight. And he didn't just want us to make our own judgments because the truth is not determined by human reasoning, but instead by his word. But the deception came when he told her the possession of these attributes would make her like God. Because we just saw that he created them in his image and his likeness to have dominion. So they were already like God. And being that God does not rely on sight and human reasoning, by learning to do so would not make us like God, but to the contrary. But the thing that I thought was so strange in this and so peculiar in this story is why is she having a conversation with somebody she does not know? The fact that she chose to listen to the voice of a stranger. Oh, look at verse six says. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and it was pleasant to the eyes, desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were open. See, they now had become sight oriented and more influenced by what they saw than what God said. See, they had allowed the voice of a stranger to become more influential than the voice of their father. It says, and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. Now, all of a sudden they were no longer happy with themselves because they had begun to make judgments based on human reasoning and understanding simply because they chose to listen to the voice of a stranger instead of their father. The Bible says in verse eight, and they heard the sound of God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees in the garden. Then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, where are you? So he said, I heard your voice in the garden. And I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. Now, what I want you to notice here is that it wasn't that they didn't know God's voice. See, they were familiar with his voice and had been speak. He had been speaking into them before they even had ears. And he had given them instructions about the garden while they existed as one. But the problem is they've allowed the voice of a stranger to have influence in their lives. In other words, 
they let an unauthorized voice have access that it should not have had. Well, watch this. In modern technology, there is a security measure called voice recognition. And its purpose is to restrict unauthorized personnel from gaining access to sensitive areas and information. And because they did not utilize voice recognition, their soul got jacked. Uh, I mean, hacked. Uh, look at what he said. I heard your voice in the garden. And I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. So because you've been listening to somebody else and allowing them to access to places that only I belong, allowing them to tell you what you can and cannot do, things only I have the authority to say, now your souls have, be have become hacked to the point that now you're afraid of me and hide from my presence. The one who blessed you, the one who empowered you. Oh, if you can't say amen, just type out in the comments. Yeah. Look at verse 11. He said, who told you you were naked? See, that word naked means uncovered because that's the way God made them. See, they didn't need a covering because God covers. In other words, who told you there was something wrong with the way I created you? See, you didn't need to protect yourself. You didn't need to cover yourself because I covered you. But who told you there was something wrong with the way I created you? And that's what I want to talk to you about this morning. Who told you that? Is that all right? Because so many of us as believers have this issue of taking someone else's word for who we are, what we can have, and what we can do instead of trusting what God said about us. And that's why you've got to figure out who told you that. Because as I told you on last time, not every voice we hear comes from God. As a matter of fact, John tells us in his first epistle, beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether or not they are from God. See, we've got to analyze the things we hear. And if the voice contradicts what God says about us, we must confront it. Because it's obviously not from God. And if the truth will set you free, then lies will put you in bondage. Oh, can I help you with this? Too many of us, like Eve, have casual conversations with voices we should be in mortal combat with. Oh, uh, what do you mean, Pastor? Well, the Bible says the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God for the pulling down of strongholds. See, you're sitting there talking this stuff that you should be tearing down. It says we wrestle every thought into captivity and make it obedient to Christ. See, you're obsessing over stuff that ought to be obeying the word. So instead of listening 
instead of actively listening to those voices, we should be aggressively silencing them. The problem is half the time we don't know who's speaking because we're not utilizing voice recognition. Watch this. Y'all remember when Jesus was in the wilderness? He didn't just sit back and have a casual conversation with the enemy. He didn't just listen to his voice. He confronted it with the word of God. Because he was, and because he was able to identify who was speaking to him, he said, get behind me, Satan. And that's why we must learn to identify those other voices so we can confront them. The Bible says we are not unaware of the enemy's schemes. So this morning, I want to help you work on your voice recognition skills so that you can figure out who told you that. For example, when you hear statements like, what if, you know, like, what if I lose my job? What if our marriage doesn't work? What if my kids get in trouble? What if they don't, this, this medicine doesn't work? You know, what if I don't get better? That is the voice of fear. Yeah. See, see, you've got to be able to recognize who told you that. See, and the voice of fear tries to get you to focus on hypothetical issues in order to intimidate you. And the problem with the hypothetical scenario is that it hasn't happened. Oh, I need you to see that. See, the problem with dealing with a hypothetical scenario is that you spend a lot of time and energy dealing with something that has not happened yet. It keeps you from pursuing and taking possession of what God has promised. And the most dangerous thing about fear is that it is the polar opposite of faith. See, because both fear and faith require belief. And if faith is the substance of things hoped for, fear is the foundation of what you don't want. And it's the force necessary to bring it to pass. And that's why you've got to combat it with the word. Turn over to Isaiah chapter 41. Isaiah chapter 41. Yeah. And when you get there, look at verse 10. Isaiah chapter 41, beginning at verse 10. And here it reads, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Uh, that's one of my favorite scriptures. Matter of fact, the pastor Tucker hood translation puts it this way. Don't you get scared till I get scared. And when I get scared, you should have been scared a long time ago. Don't forget. I'm God. Yeah. He, he says, fear not, do not be dismayed. That word dismayed means stressed by the unexpected. See, just because it surprised you doesn't mean it surprised God. 
See, he knows the end from the beginning. As a matter of fact, God says through the prophet Jeremiah, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. So if he already knew it was coming and he already had a plan for it, what are you tripping for? Uh, let me show you how to know for certain that this voice of fear is not of God. Go over to second Timothy chapter one. And when you get there, look at verse seven, second Timothy chapter one, beginning at verse seven. And here it reads, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Well, since it didn't come from God, you have every right to reject it. Somebody type in the comments, fear doesn't belong to me. Yeah. Now, when you hear something saying nobody has ever, you know, like when God told us that we were going to go totally virtual in ministry, like nobody's ever done that before. You know, nobody's going to do that. Nobody does that. See, when you start hearing those nobody type statements, that's the voice of doubt. And its job is to try to keep you from walking into God's will for you. It's to try to discourage you from believing what God said by questioning the possibility. And your progress is often paralyzed because you're preoccupied with details, trying to figure it out. See, the enemy wants you to think nobody's ever done it, so now you've got to figure out how to. But the only thing you gotta do is trust the fact that God said it. See, but he'll keep you paralyzed from moving forward because you're preoccupied trying to figure out the details. See, because you're so caught up trying to figure it all out. But go over to Psalm 138. And look at what the psalmist says in verse eight. Here he says, the Lord will perfect that which concerns me. See, I don't have to worry about it. I don't have to try to figure it out because the Lord will perfect that which concerns me. See, it's God's job to take care of the details. He says, your mercy, O Lord, endures forever. Do not forsake the works of your hands. See, God's not going to let go the stuff that he put in place. My, God, my job is to just trust him. He's going to perfect that which concerns me. And guess what? The psalmist declares in 18 and verse in 30. He says, as for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is proven that he's a shield to all who trust him. So that's why all we got to do is trust him. 
Because we know that the proverb writer tells us, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he'll direct your path. So stop spinning your wheels trying to figure out how to do what God has told you to do. Simply because that voice, that voice of doubt keeps trying to make you think, well, uh, I'm not sure if, I'm not sure if that's going to work. I'm not sure if that's possible. You just trust it because you know, God said it. Now, when you find yourself always talking about what they did, what they had, you know, their house, their car, their ministry. That is the voice of comparison and contempt. Yeah, that's the voice of comparison and covetedness. And his job is to get your eyes off of what God told you to do because you're focused on what somebody else has. But go over to Hebrews 13. Hebrews 13. And look at verse 15, verse 5. Hebrews 13, and look at verse 5. Here he says, let your conversation be without covetedness and be content with such things as you have. For he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Somebody type in the comments, God is enough. See, I don't have to worry about what somebody else's ministry looks like. I don't have to worry about what somebody else's marriage looks like. I don't have to worry about their car their house, their children, their marriage. I don't have to worry about any of that because he said, be content with such things as ye have. For he said, I will never leave thee nor forsake me. As long as I got God, I got what I need. Oh, I wish somebody heard that. See, God gave me this peace in my spirit years ago. God told me the, 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 the secret to having everything you want is wanting everything you have. See, that doesn't mean that God can't give you anything else. But see, when I'm content with what I have and I have God, then I can have anything. See, because I'm always thankful for what he's already given me and I'm thankful for him. So anything else he gives me is bonus. If he doesn't give me anything else, guess what? I'm good because I got what I got and I got him. And I don't have to look at anything anybody has anything he's done for anybody else because Paul reminds me in the Roman letter, God is no respecter of persons. In other words, he shows no partiality or no favoritism. So I don't have to keep looking at what you've done because comparison breeds contempt. It makes me not unhappy with what I have. And that's why I got to be careful about listening to that voice. Now watch this. When you find yourself saying things like, I don't know if I'm good enough. I don't know if I'm smart enough. I don't know if I'm capable of this. I don't know if I am. 
That is the voice of insecurity. And you've got to know that you are who God says you are. See, because the voice of insecurity wants you to question your identity. And God says in, in Psalm 139, verse 14, the psalmist says, I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works and that my soul knows very well. See, you've got to recognize that you are the work of God. Watch this. I remember as a kid, the saying that we used to have said, God made me and God don't make junk. See, I had to recognize I am fearfully and wonderfully made. So you got to recognize God made me and he don't make mistakes. So I won't listen to that voice of insecurity trying to tell me what I'm not. I know I am more than enough because God made me. Anything that I have to do, anything that I'm required to do, anything that God calls me to do, I know I'm more than equipped for because God made me. And God never made anything that was ill-equipped. Oh, you got to see it. Watch this. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I'm just sitting here. God just, God just showed me that just now. Have you ever looked outside during a torrential rain and looked at how much water was in your yard? And I mean, how, how I mean, how much water was just washing through? Sometimes, I mean, I'm in, in my yard at times. We've seen it almost look like a river running through just because of the grade of the yard. But have you ever noticed sometimes when you're walking through your yard, you see ants in the yard. You're like, how do those ants survive when all this water's out there? See, because God says nothing that I've made is ill-equipped. He even equipped those ants with survival mechanisms. Come on. But you think that there are things that you're ill-equipped for. See, because you're listening to that voice of insecurity. But see, you've got to combat that with the word. See, we're reminded in Deuteronomy 28 and 13, we are the head and not the tail. We're above and not beneath. See, when he's trying to tell you uh, that, that, that you're not going to make it, I don't know if I'm going to make it. I don't know if I, if, mm -mm. I'm the head and not the tail. I'm above and not beneath. You got to combat that voice. Watch this. If you're constantly saying things like, I can't, I can't do this. I can't do that. That's the voice of unbelief. And its job is to keep you hopeless so that you never know what you're capable of so that you won't even try. But we know that the word tells us in Philippians 4 and 13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Oh, come on now. I'm telling you, voice recognition is necessary. You've got to be able to know who's talking to you so you know how to counteract it. You've got to put these security measures in place to protect your soul. 
Watch this. When you rehearse phrases like I'm a failure or have thoughts like you're a loser, that's the voice of condemnation. And it uses shame to attack your identity, trying to get you to identify yourself by your actions. Its purpose is to steal your value and make you think that you're worthless, that you're a good for nothing. So as to disqualify you for your inheritance and discourage you from service. But Paul reminds us in Romans eight and one, that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. See, when he's trying to tell you what you're not, that you're not capable, that you're not worth anything, that you're not good for anything. You got to tell him, you can't condemn me. You can't tell me that I'm not, I'm not fit for use because I'm in Christ. I don't, I'm not judged according to my flesh. I'm judged according to my spirit. Oh, I'm trying to help somebody today. Watch this. Watch this. This one is major. This one is major. If you ain't write down nothing else, you better write this now. There are those who always want to remind you of what you did. Keep bringing up your past. You keep going over your mistakes. That is the voice of guilt. Its job is to mobilize you and keep you from moving forward by trying to make you feel bad for your actions and hold you hostage to your past and making you feel unworthy of your future. It wants to stop you from seeing your potential. But John tells us in his first epistle, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. And not only that, the Bible tells us in Hebrews 8 and 12, for I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their iniquities. I will remember no more. God even doubles down in Psalm 103 and 12. He says, as far as from the east is from the west. So far he has removed our transgressions for us. Oh, see, y'all think he playing. But in Isaiah 43 in verse 25, he says, I even, I am he who blots out your transgressions. And for my own sake, I will not remember your sins. So God is clear when that voice of guilt is telling you to look at your mistakes. God said, what mistakes are you talking about? See, you got to be able to recognize that voice of sin of guilt when it's trying to remind you of the things that you've done and to keep you from moving forward from keeping you from doing the things that God's called you to do, keeping you feeling unworthy of your future, trying to hold you hostage to your past because God says, I don't even know what you're talking about. So you've got to recognize that voice and confront it with the word. See, if we're going to have the kind of, impact and influence that God intended. We can no longer afford 
to allow unauthorized personnel to have access to sensitive areas of our soul. We must employ voice recognition. That means whenever we hear something, whether in the natural or in the spirit, we've got to analyze it to see who told us that. And if it's not of God, you've got to confront it with the word. We've got to wrestle every thought into captivity and make it obedient to Christ. Otherwise, we will end up with our soul hacked. I pray this bless you today. Because I'm telling you, there's so many people walking around out of sorts. Can't function. Can't do the things God called them to do because their soul has been hacked. Because they've allowed a voice, somebody unauthorized, access to a sensitive area of their soul to tell them what they couldn't do, what they couldn't have, what they're not worthy of. But you've got to be able to go in, confront that voice with the word of God. But you first got to be able to identify that voice and know what to confront it with. And that's why voice recognition is so important. You got to know who told you that. Who told you you were naked? Who told you you were not enough? Who told you you were guilty? Who told you to doubt? Who told you not to believe? Who told you those things? And then deal with them. Who told you that lie and confront it with the truth? Because the truth will set you free, but a lie will put you in bondage. Well, I've got a truth for you today. Jesus Christ gave up his life for you. He's not holding any of your sins against you. All you have to do is confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and you could be saved. And if you desire that today, I want to pray with you. Precious God, come into my heart. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. I believe Jesus Christ died for me. And I want to receive him as my Lord and Savior. Be my father. Make me your child. Teach me how to live for you. And if you prayed that prayer, the next step in your journey is to find a Bible-believing, Bible-teaching church where you can be saved, where we can walk alongside you and teach you how to walk out your salvation. Follow the instructions on the screen. Go to our website at lovemychurch.org. Click contact us. Fill out a connection card. And one of our ministers will get back with you with the next steps and help you. We would love to have you become a part of this body of Christ. Secondly, if you want to help us continue to do what God's called us to do with this ministry, which is spread the gospel all around the world, which is not a small task, click the donate button, sow a financial seed. You can use cash app, dollar sign, my church Lynchburg, paypal.me forward slash my church Lynchburg, or you can use the Givelify app. But however you decide to give, just know that your gifts are going to help us continue to do what God's called us to do. But however you desire to do so, just know that your gifts are going to help us push the word of God forth. Thirdly, if you know somebody else who needs this this word, make sure you share it with them. Matter of fact, make sure you share it with two or three people. Help us spread the gospel. God bless you today. I'm Pastor Tuck, and thanks for watching the word at my church. See you again on next time. Stay tuned for our announcements. At my church, 
We help people get better by teaching them how the Word works, and we want to make sure there is no excuse not to get the Word. It's our goal to make all of our ministries accessible on every smartphone, tablet, PC, and television connected to the Internet. So whether you're a man who needs some wisdom, a woman who needs some encouragement, or a couple who needs guidance, the My Church channel has just what you need. Simply search for the My Church channel on Roku, Fire Stick, or Apple TV, or visit MyChurchChannel.org. You can also download the My Church On The Go app from Apple or Google Play App Store. Constantly on the move? Check out the Word At My Church podcast on your favorite podcast platform. Or simply download the Word At My Church skill on your Alexa-enabled device. But whatever you do, make sure to stay connected. See you soon.